Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA, the now daily Locked on NBA. Did you watch all the games going on around the association last night? No? Well, we did, and we are going to recap everything you need to know. And then we're going to talk about Anthony Davis since we've got the New Orleans guy here. President Obama said some interesting things about the NCAA and the NBA, and we've got to look ahead to tonight's games. So let's just dive right on into everything right after the music. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. I'm your Wednesday host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. I'm John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. I am Reds Army underscore John. And we're going to be talking about tonight's games. I'm just, I, there, that pause was my shock at the Clippers Nuggets game. But let's go chronologically. What do you think, Jake? Start at the beginning. Yeah. Start at the beginning. We've got some spreadsheets and things out. We prepared for this for you all here. So Chicago at Charlotte. This was a weird kind of game where, you know, it was tight early. Uh, Charlotte then pulled away. Kemba had a big night, 31 points. His shot was falling. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Charlotte, I think they might have taken the Bulls a little bit too lightly, but uh, they shouldn't have because they've they've lost to the Bulls before. So it's uh, nice for Charlotte to, to, to pull away late. And, and they've won, what, four in a row now? Yeah, I think so. So it's uh they need they look they need the uh the wins and Chicago needs the losses. So this worked out very well for both of those teams. Charlotte's trying to sneak into that last playoff spot and uh they've got a tough road ahead so they really needed that win. Yeah, it, it's an ideal night for the Bulls. You get some of the young guys some minutes. He play they play well. Cristiano Felicio equaled the season high of 12 points by half. He didn't score in the second half though and Zach Levine played pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So nice, nice night all around for those guys. Not really much to talk about in that game. Charlotte got a win they needed. Chicago got a loss they really needed. So let's move on to Cleveland and Brooklyn, a game in which LeBron James became the only player ever, ever, ever to have 30,000 points, 8,000 rebounds, and 8,000 assists. This was a tight one. The, the Cavs in, in Brooklyn, they went down to the wire, but the Cavs pulled it out 129-123. The big thing for me is giving up 123 to the Brooklyn Nets. Everybody got excited about this Cleveland uh, resurgence with their after the trade, but they're still giving up a ton of points. Yeah, defense is still an issue for them. They've still got some issues they need to figure out, and it's not necessarily going to be any easier since you're still integrating a bunch of the new additions to this team. What do you think about this Brooklyn backcourt, though, overall? Uh, look, I like it. I think they've put together a nice little future. It's going to be interesting to see what they do when Jeremy Lin comes back and, and how everything shakes out. Uh, what's the what's the big uh, finish for Spencer Dinwiddie? What what does what's his ceiling going to be? I think D'Angelo Russell is going to be a really good player. He had a great game, although he didn't close tonight. But he he had twenty five points, six assists, five rebounds. Uh, faded down the stretch in the clutch which is a sign of his youth and, and something that he's going to need to improve. But at the very least, the the Nets have uh, 
tradable players. And even if the guys don't fit when you're a team like Brooklyn, you just need to make them good enough to maybe they fit somewhere else and then you get something back. So yeah, there's just some young talent there. I'm big on Jared Allen as well. I've got him on my fantasy team that was a kind of key late season pickup for me. So I've been paying more attention for him. You call this a double win for the Cavs since they do have Brooklyn's first round pick? Yeah. So, I mean, look, as a Celtics fan, I've got a lot of experience with this because uh, they have that unprotected Brooklyn pick and Brooklyn now is sitting there way down at the bottom of the standings with only 20 wins. So you knock them down a peg, you get your win. So it's like two wins in one for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Good for them. Uh, Miami and Philly. This was a crazy, crazy finish. And I'm just going to go right to the finish because Miami did this. I thought it was intentional that hack of Ben Simmons tied at 100 and it turns out that Dwayne Wade made a mistake, but the the conspiracy theories online are that Dwayne Wade didn't make a mistake. He just wanted to play the hero, which he did in a 102-101 win over the Sixers. Uh, This game was interesting and fun, and uh, this is one we could spend a lot of time on and we're not going to dive too deep into it, but I really like everything they're doing with Dwayne Wade right now. This Miami team is kind of made up of a bunch of six men, in my opinion. So why not give Wade all of these minutes and the ball? He's still that savvy veteran player. He had a pretty good game tonight overall, and you have to kind of love everything that's going on with him. I mean, 27 points tonight. If he retires after this season, give him this farewell tour. I called it the Kobe Light farewell tour for Dwayne Wade. Miami Heat fans, I'm not so sure that they're – in on what you're saying, I think, and I've seen some people uh, online today saying that uh, he shouldn't be getting these minutes, that these minutes are better served for getting Justice Wins- Winslow and Josh Richardson and other guys more minutes. And and Wade is has come in and basically kind of taken over the team. So, but play, look, for Miami fans, I don't know what's more important. Is is it more important to go there and get that eighth seed or develop the guys and see kind of how things pan out? I, I think the way things are going, they're going to probably get the eighth seed anyway. There's a lot of distance between the Pistons and the Hornets and, and them. So I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with it, If especially if this is the end of the road for Dwayne Wade. Should mention that Dwayne Wade uh, did have a very... Uh, uh, somber message before the uh, before the game earlier this week. Actually, one of the victims in the Florida school shooting, uh, Joaquin Oliver. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, correctly. Was buried in a Dwayne Wade jersey. He found that out. He wrote the name. He wrote uh, the victim's name on his sneaker. Then he goes out and he hits this game winner. So it's a, a bit of a a storybook thing. So I want to just shout out Dwayne Wade. You know all of the problems that we've had between the heat and the the Celtics and, and there's some animosity, but this was a really cool thing for him to do. He dedicated the season to Joaquin's uh, memory. And so to go out there and hit that, that game winner tonight, I think was especially special for him. Yeah. I really liked that move. And like you said, dedicated the rest of the season to him, just a night, li- a nice little tribute. And, you know, there's no one protesting anything in the NBA before anthems, things like that. So when these players get a chance to make a statement and a big one that people can see, I think it's very, very important. So definitely good for Dwayne Wade and what he's doing. So moving on around the association, we've got the wizards at the bucks in a game that no one really wanted to win. 
<laughs> the Bucks had felt like a hundred different chances to take the lead in the last few minutes of the game, and they just could not do it. And that's one of those things. I've seen it a million times. You've seen it a million times. You've you've made a comeback, and you have that one last thing. If you could just take a lead, even if now it goes back and forth and it switches on the odd number, that's fine. But you just got to take that lead to give yourself that feeling that you're going to win, and Milwaukee just could not do it. No, and the Wizards won. They're playing very well without John Wall. So quickly, since we got to move on, are they a better team without Wall? They had 30 assists on the night. My point that I want to make on this is simply they do move the ball better without Wall because they have to move the better without Wall. John Wall is so good that he can go and draw a lot of attention and make one pass, and maybe that player makes a secondary pass and Wall gets the hockey assist. But you don't need as many passes to get a good shot. Now, granted, the better ball movement maybe gets a couple more guys engaged. There's something they definitely need to figure out. But Washington needs to move the ball better because without wall, the only way to draw attention is to move the ball and get the defense uh, going side to side, get those paint touches, and create the gaps through ball movement that John Wall would create on his own. So no, they're not better with without Wall. The ball is moving better out of necessity. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They're not better without John Wall. Look, he's not a great shooter and he has a high usage rate and he probably shoots a little bit too much. And you'd like to see them kind of have this ball movement with him because they look pretty bad at times in the half court with him running that offense and they're much better in transition. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate him back when he gets back in. So Sacramento at Portland. Lillard had 19 in the first half and the Kings look young. And that's really all I have to say about this one. Yeah, this is one of those, let's just kind of breeze past it because I think Portland was toying around with Sacramento. Yeah, they, look, they've got some talent. De'Aaron Fox is is good, but uh, Damian Lillard, I think, uh, was toying around with them for a while. It was closer than expected, and then they just wiped them out down the stretch. So moving on. Yeah, well, we finally get to the fun and the big game here, and that was the Clippers at Denver. Paul Millsap's return, the whatever creature Bobin looks like came out and just played unbelievable. I don't. It looks like something out of like a fantasy story <laughs> or Tolkien, and I just don't know what yet. This was a fun game. Oh man, they. I I wrote down in our notes. That uh, when Boban came in, I said, let's reformat the entire podcast. Two hours on Boban. Let's just, because at that point, it was a blowout. It was 82 63 Denver. And then it all fell apart. Final score 122 120 Clippers. So with 449 to go, 422 left in the third quarter, Denver led by 19. And then they gave it all up, and I've I, I'm just shocked at this collapse. They Boban came in and and just dominated, like literally dominated. Got every rebound. They had no answer, and I don't know if they just kind of let their guard down. But between Boban and Lou Williams, Lou Williams was orchestrating a lot on the floor. They just I, I'm just completely shocked at at a, a 25 point swing in eight minutes. 
Yeah, it's that depth of the Clippers and why a lot of people thought they did pretty well in the Blake Griffin trade. Their bench outscored the uh, Nuggets by a significant amount. And Boban, since we're just only going to talk about him, in 15 minutes was plus 27. That's just, I don't like individual plus minus that much, but plus 27 in 15 minutes is absolutely insane. Denver also just kind of went cold in the second half at times and couldn't generate consistent offense. Will Barton had 19 points in the first half and he finished with 19 points, not getting anything going in that second half. It was disappointing to see from a team that's relied so much on their offense and then they've been better defensively and then completely fell apart. Yeah, I think there was a great point made during the broadcast where in the first half, they were moving the ball around and they were creating things at the rim and then kickouts. And in the second half, in the third quarter, when you build up a big lead like that and you're young, there's a tendency to just kind of, you know, dick around and go for your individual like, all right, we're up, we're up 19 and it's the third quarter is almost over. Now we're just going to go have some fun. You, you, they might have seen Boban come in and said, "Oh, well, there's the there's the white flag that the Clippers are waving. They've they've benched DJ and Boban's in, and they they let up. And Boban was not there to just screw around. And next thing you know, he's just dominating the game. So we've seen Boban have his like moments, but it, it's a bit on. Inexcusable to to let him come in and do what he did: eighteen points, six rebounds, plus twenty seven in fifteen minutes of play. Yeah, it was just a, a remarkable turnaround for the Clippers, which is super annoying for me as a Pelicans fan because I would like to see them out of playoff contention. So that does it for all of the games tonight. We'll preview the upcoming slate of games this Wednesday in just a little bit. And before we get to all of that, don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast now that it is daily, Monday through Friday for you. No one else is recapping this type of uh, situation in the league, telling you what you need to do, just quick recaps. All around. So as we move on here, we want to get to the big topics in the NBA. And right now, for me, and I think for most people, nothing is bigger than Anthony Davis while these Pelicans are on this six-game winning streak. We've all seen the numbers. He's averaging uh, 41.5 points over these six. It's absolutely incredible. Before we dive into some of the numbers that I've got here, where do you have him in the MVP rankings right now, John? Um, I would say probably, well, recency bias, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say second, I still have, I'll, 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 I'm, I'm going James Harden first. Uh, I'm going to say right now I, I might give just because of everything that we've seen from him, keeping the Pelicans afloat. I, I might say second, but I, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm may, I might be saying that a little bit because you're here, and I'm saying it for you. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think he's just. How can you How can you look at that stretch and be like and, and say anything different at this point? No, and, and this is a stretch we've never really seen from him. I think everyone always considers him a top five, top 10 player in the NBA, but he was never really a guy that necessarily elevated the team. He put up some really good numbers. He's an incredible player, and you figured maybe if he goes to a better team, they'd start winning. So to see him kind of put this team on his back and carry them is something we're not used to seeing. When he talked 
uh, during All-Star Weekend about needing to play like Russell Westbrook. I just kind of laughed because he doesn't really have that mentality to go and do so. But something has changed, and I'm not really sure what it is, whether it's Alvin Gentry coaching him up or maybe his daily conversations with Boogie. They talk all the time on the phone before Cousins heads back to New Orleans. But I'll tell you, right now he's playing Russell Westbrook-ish for a big like this. On the season, Davis has had basically 69% of his uh, shots assisted on to 30 unassisted, 31% unassisted. That's starting to change. All of a sudden, 40% of what Davis is doing is unassisted. He's just taking the ball and going and doing it himself. Something which is not the easiest to see from a big man like that. No, no. And I I remember, uh, I forget where, which podcast it was. Somebody was talking about Anthony Davis immediately after the injury. And he had a couple of, a couple of bad games. And what was the, what? Oh, he disappeared in the loss to the 76ers. He had 14 points. Yeah. So it was, uh, Boogie got hurt, what, against Minnesota? Uh, it was the win over Houston. I want to say it was like January 26th because I have that memory burned into my mind in terror. So uh, Anthony Davis had a few good games after that, but then he he kind of disappeared a little bit. And I remember hearing the conversation that he was having with, with DeMarcus Cousins, like you're saying, and he's saying, I, I kind of want to do some of the things that you were doing. And, and DeMarcus was like, just no, go do what you do. Just go do it. And, and that seemed to be like the talk that kind of spurred all of this thing, because ever since then, it's been the it, the um, amazingly dominant Anthony Davis that everybody's salivating over and people like me are going trying to match up salaries with how many young guys and counting up all of our picks to offer you. So uh, I, I think just watching this guy assert himself is amazing because that that hasn't necessarily been in his nature, but you see that he has a level that he can take an already top five in the NBA game and he can he can elevate it even more when the team needs him to do so. Jesus, look at this. 53 points and 18 rebounds. Ha, ha. He fouled three sons out of the game. He went to the line 26 times in that game and they lost all of their bigs because they couldn't do anything. Two guys fouled out with mo- about nine minutes left in the game. That's insane to me. That's And that to me speaking of the Suns, it's more impressive than the 70-point game than that Booker dropped on the Celtics because that was, at the end, it just a, a farce a little bit that everybody's just feeding him and saying, here, go, score, score, score. The, Davis did this in the course of a game. And to put this kind of, those kind of numbers, 53 points in the course of a game in which other people are actively trying to stop you. And it wasn't necessarily a blowout. No, it was close for a while. Yeah. So he, he needed this. There was no like shift in strategy. This was like, go attack, shot 26 free throws in that game. That's just monstrous. That to me is a much more dominant performance than some of the inflated performances that we've seen from other people. Yeah, absolutely. I could talk about this all day long and it is on today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So if you want to hear a little bit more about AD and some of the other numbers, make sure you give that a listen. But John's got a topic that he is fired up about and I want to give him the floor here. So 
Obama came out and talked a little bit about the NCAA. Recap that for us, and then I'm I'm just going to be quiet and let you rant here. Ah, <laughs> okay. So this was at the Sloan Conference. It got out. It, I don't think it was supposed to be reported, but it, it's kind of circulated. So he kind of took on the NCAA and basically, I'll paraphrase, paraphrase a lot of what he said, uh, saying that the NBA should kind of create its own league. And he, I know he's aware of the G League. I think he wants it to be bigger than that, uh, to compete with the NCAA. And one of the quotes that stood out is, everybody acts shocked that some kid from extraordinarily poor circumstances who's got potentially 5 or 10 or $15 million waiting for him is going to be circled by everybody in a context in which people are making billions of dollars. Now, I'm going to try to be as concise here as possible. I think the NCAA is a corrupt fraud of an organization. And I think that the president has a point. And LeBron James, who afterwards also said the same thing, said, I'm not a fan of the NCAA. NCAA is corrupt. We know that. The NCAA makes a ton of money, billions of dollars off the backs of mainly men's basketball and men's football players. Those are the two major sports. and they they do so at, at the under the guise of amateurism meanwhile they're putting forth NCAA basketball and football games with these guys names numbers not names i'm sorry numbers and likenesses but without the names so they can get around paying these guys these, this is labor unpaid labor that makes the NCAA billions and billions and billions of dollars now maybe that doesn't result in paying these guys directly or I don't know, I don't want to go down that entire road. That's a different conversation. What I would love to see is what the president is suggesting that the Celtics, not the Celtics, the NBA, sorry, the NBA go down that road and invest the money in the G League and make sure every team has one team for itself. So every, now there's still some sharing. So Everybody gets a G League team and create a system, work with the the uh, players union and create a system where guys can come in out of high school, go into this, get paid something, maybe not the, the current contracts. They, they're starting to work towards this with the, the two-way contracts, but it's getting a little bit better. It's getting better, but work towards something where they get paid a livable wage, but not the, the $6 million there that's that's a different thing that that first round pick slotted money there should be a way for those kids to come out of high school who think they've got this opportunity to go in there and kind of have this baseball type of system baseball is using as a, as an example of hey those guys get to come out of high school why don't basketball players because baseball players have eight different levels of minor leagues that they have to suffer through and ride buses while making no money to improve their game under coach after coach after coach in these situations where they're not circled by barracudas and sharks trying to get at their millions of dollars, where these these basketball players, as has been noted, are often coming out of poor situations, are given $6 million. They're surrounded by corrupt AAU coaches, 
corrupt sneaker company representatives, corrupt agents who've been funneling money into them from for forever. And now they're all trying to get a piece of this multi-million dollar contract. And these kids end up flaming out many of them because they don't have the proper structure to teach them the right skills because there's pressure once they get drafted to perform. And af- if after three or four years, they don't perform, they are discarded. I would love to see the NBA create a system, a minor league system, in which these guys get paid a fair amount, but nothing exorbitant. They get the time to develop under coaching staffs that have the kids' best interest in mind. And then once they are ready, there's a mechanism that elevates their contract, much like the two-way deal, but not quite like it's structured now. So that's a long-winded rant. Uh, I could go on. I'm not. I'm not going to take up too much more of the time. We can have this conversation on Twitter if you want. I'm Reds Army underscore John. I know the NBA has gotten this for free through college. They've let these kids go to Duke and Kentucky and wherever to get this development for free. But it's got to stop. They've got to make this investment because in the end, it benefits the team. It benefits the player. It benefits everybody. They can end up making that money back. So I, I would hope that that would be something that comes down the line. Also, especially if they're going to potentially legalize NBA gambling in certain states and that money's going to be coming into the league. I think they've talked about 1% of it and then a half of that 1% is going to go towards the players and the salary cap. And then the other part can be funneled into something like this and development. And like you said, having these guys best interest at, at heart and in mind is very important because that is not the case at most places in college. So like you said, this is probably a longer debate that needs some more nuance to it than we have time to go into it. And like John said, he's active on Twitter talking about this all the time. So make sure you give him a follow at Reds Army underscore John. I'm at Nola Jake. We're both on Twitter. We're both very active, always talking hoops. And we finally need to get to the uh, upcoming slate of tonight's games. So John, you want to take us through the first one here? Okay, sure. Yeah, uh, let's go with Milwaukee at Detroit. Second night of a back to the back, back to back for the Bucks, and they're trying to avoid a three-game losing streak. They're a very important game for them. Really important game for Detroit, especially. They've lost three games coming out of the break, and three of four going into the break. So six and seven, six of seven overall. I think with twenty-two games left in the season, that this is a bit of a must-win for the uh, Detroit Pistons because they are sitting there. Three and a half games out of the last playoff spot. And for Milwaukee, it's especially important because they need this win. A loss there could drop them down to a half game out of the eighth seed. It's something that they don't want. No, that's definitely going to be important. And then coming up later after that game, we've got Toronto at Orlando. Toronto's got a bit of an easy schedule coming up. They've got three games against Orlando remaining. But this one's a bit of a trap game. Toronto blew out Detroit and uh, the other night. They've got Washington on ESPN on Friday. They're right in contention for that number one seed, sitting number one in the West, uh, with Boston kind of right behind them. They need to win this one. You can't let down and look forward to another opponent for a tougher game. All right, moving on. Charlotte at my Boston Celtics. The Hornets are starting a three-game road trip. Meanwhile, the Celtics are trying to kind of improve their home record. They are 22-11 and 11 at home. Of the top three seeds, that's the worst home record. Uh, they And they went into the break with a, a disappointing homestand, so that contributed to that. This is a huge game for them. They head out for a, a three-game road trip. That includes Houston, Chicago, Minnesota. So 
getting this win at home will be big because that, that Houston game Saturday night on ABC is going to be very, very tough. Minnesota is going to be tough. Even without Jimmy Butler, it's going to be a tough one. So the Celtics need to win this one at home. Yeah, and then we've got Indiana at Atlanta. Indy had that horrible loss to Dallas. They're still in playoff contention and in that kind of tight little pack that they're part of, you really can't get some losses like that. So they need to rebound. Atlanta's Atlanta and they should. Yes, Uh, I'm going to take the next two because this one is Phoenix at Memphis and I'm just going to... Fire up the tanks. (laughs) Yes, that's just... Even if you're a fan of the Suns or the Grizzlies, I don't even know if you should watch this one, but let's move on past that. Golden State at Washington, uh, back-to-back, a tough back-to-back. Can you imagine a tougher back-to-back for the for the Wizards? They just had this tough game in Milwaukee that they won, but they had to fight and claw to win after blowing a big lead. And now they come home, they face Golden State, not just Golden State, it's Kevin Durant coming home, and he, they just had this big charity thing. Instead of going to the White House, they they took kids out to the uh, African-American History Museum, and he just donated $10 million to a sports program at his old school, and now Kevin Durant's playing in front of all those guys. That's going to be a tough one for, for Washington, so uh, they're going to have to play the game of their lives to even be close. Yeah, that's going to be pretty brutal. After that, we've got New Orleans taking on San Antonio. The Pelicans are starting a four-game road trip. They blew out the Spurs earlier in the year at home. I think it was a 17-point win with a big performance from Anthony Davis and a pretty good one for DeMarcus Cousins. No Cousins now, but we have AD playing at that very high level. This is going to be still a tough game, though. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday have been playing heavy minutes all year. They might be looking ahead to the easy upcoming games after that against the Mavs the Clippers and Sacramento you know and this is going to be a good test for San Antonio they need some depth we're not exactly sure when Kawhi Leonard's going to be be back you've got Joffrey Laverne there's Bertans there they're going to have their hands full I'm hoping for a Pelicans win (laughs) all right Oklahoma City at Dallas not much to say there Uh, Dallas should be looking to lose Oklahoma City needs the win but the big story there Nerlens Noel will be available for the first time since his surgery and that weird, weird situation. So it'll be really interesting to see how he looks. Yeah, and then we wrap up the slate with Houston taking on the Clippers. Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back just against two brutal offensive teams. You know, they did beat Denver uh, uh, tonight, last night, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do it again against Houston. You had to use a lot of energy to erase that deficit, and sometimes you kind of have the hangover from that. Plus, Houston is sitting on 13 straight wins right now. Man. All right. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this uh, this new format. We're trying to make this quick. The whole point is to be a bite size, whip through last night's games, preview, and then a couple of other big topics. Again, you got to hit us up on Twitter. I'm Reds Army underscore John. He's Nola Jake. Let us know what you think. Questions, comments, concerns, ideas. Hit us up. We're open to all of it, and we'll be back with you all next Wednesday. Enjoy tomorrow with David Locke and his guest of the week.